Hello all and uh, welcome to our very first ever a bonus special episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. Uh, basically, uh, this week, David, um, you know, between he has a lot of uh, per, he's got a lot of uh, stuff going on in his uh, personal life. I believe, a lot between work and uh, he is a he is a, a community theater actor, much myself too. Uh, when when possible, so he's he doesn't have the he doesn't have the ability to record this week. Um, so what I decided to do is I thought about like what kind of con. I, well, I still wanted to give content out because I have the time to record something this week, and I thought that what we could do is I want to do something that I wouldn't necessarily want to do with David on the podcast, and so I went with. Um, we're gonna t- we're gonna go and visit a website called Choice of uh, uh, Ch- Choice of Games. It is basically a choose your own adventure website where you where it's what it sounds like is you can purchase uh, people can write and submit stories uh, and you can purchase those stories for a small fee and they're very they're choose your own adventure games stories set in all sorts of different settings. They're all very they're very fun. They're very fun and kind of one of the bigger one of the big pulls is the fact that the that the stories allow you to have a, have any. Um, sorry, still rec- sorry for that. So I'm still recovering from a little bit of a cold this past week. Um, but it allows you to uh, have, have any sexuality or um, gender expression, the gender identity, excuse, uh, as you wish. Um, it, is, it is completely LGBTQIA um, plus friendly. And so that one of the one of the stories on the website is called Slammed by a, a man named Paolo, uh, by a person named uh, Paolo Chikiamko. And it is what it sounds like. It is a pro wrestling uh, choose your own adventure story. And so for this week, uh, as part of our bonus content, I'm going to uh, we're going to play the game a little bit, going to act it out. Um, sorry about that again. Uh, yes. So all we're going to do. So what am I going to do? Is I'm just going to we're going to go through the story. And um, I've played this many many times. So. It would see. It, it kind of wouldn't be fun for me to kind of just pick my own way, the way I always like to play, or the way I prefer, the story version I prefer to play. That wouldn't be very fun. So what I'm going to do is we're going to do this completely randomized. As you see in choice of games, the kind of a, in the choice of game stories, it's, they, always, they always kind of emphasize that like consistency is is the best option. Like having a consistent personality and making choices that are logically that are narratively consistent with who with what your person's personality is 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 to leads to the most success. Well that's no fun. Let's what we're gonna do is we're gonna do is completely random. Now, as a caveat, there are a couple things I'm not going to randomize. Is first I'm not going to randomize the gender of the character. Uh, we will be playing as a male character. Now I don't have anything against playing as a female character. I've done that too. Um, even if it, even though it doesn't really affect the story, I've played as male and female characters. The only reason I'm picking a male character is because I'm having to act it out, and uh, I'm already not great at uh, female voices. I'm not going to add give myself another female voice to have to try to voice. Um, and. And the third, the second thing is um, action, is that you do play out the wrestling matches, and while we will um, randomize what, how, what kind of uh, character, what kind of wrestler I am, am I a high flyer, am I a, pow, a giant, am I like a technical submission expert, I'm going to play the game trying to do well, because it would be no fun, because if we did randomly, you're probably going to lose as many matches as we can, and that would be no fun for any of us. But in terms of the choices that are purely about, you know, personality and story-driven choices, you know, we're not, we're going to completely randomize that. And see where it goes. So without further ado, we're going to do this. When we hit a logical stop, when we hit a good stopping point, I'll go ahead and turn off the stream. Again, this isn't going to be, this is going to be much shorter I only intend to be doing this for about an hour. Um, this is going to be a lot shorter than than uh, what we usually than what me and David usually do. But yes, let's go. Chapter one: The Backyard Basher. Click. The scene unfolds like a dream, at least at first. There you were, standing tall and proud, arms outstretched, an invitation to worship. All around you, voices obliged. They were chanting a name. Your name, 
this was the moment you had been waiting for. You soaked everything in for just one more second. What was the harm? Then crouched atop the turnbuckle and launched yourself high into the air, spinning like an Olympic diver before pinning your prey. Or at least, that was the plan. Your left foot and the top rope had other ideas. This is going to hurt. Slam! Title drop? You hit, you hit the mat hard and your head did a little bounce, arousing a sympathetic intake of breath from the small segment of the audience that wasn't laughing your lung, their lungs out. You lay unmoving at the feet of your opponent. Two, you have two choices. Uh, Big Benji from Cur from the Kirby's Men's Wrestling School or Big Brenda from the Kirby's Women's Wrestling League. Obviously, this is the gender choice. So we are from Big Benji from the Kirby's Men, the Kirby Men's Wrestling School. Benji stared down at you with a gate with a gap tooth smile, shrugged, then threw a punch straight down at your face. He heaved you up across his shoulders, and before two seconds had passed, you were in the air again. Slam! One, two. Three, you remember how much you disliked the Big Brit when you were classmates at the KMWS? That feeling was obviously mutual. Unfortunately, Matt Kirby knew that you and Benji were the best students at his school, which is why Benji was almost always your opponent during the unpaid exhibitions Kirby would put up to defray the expenses of your schooling. This is, why, this is also why you feel as if your professional wrestling career was shortened by a decade even before it began. The man turned every match into an actual beatdown. Those ham-sized fists hurt, even when all you're doing is watching a video of the match. Click. So, what do you think? Asked Sam. With the video on pause, you find yourself once again aware of your surroundings. You're in a dingy studio apartment filled with a strange combination of computer equipment and wrestling merchandise. It's like a Circuit City had a one-night stand with a Toys R Us. You're sitting on the edge of a bed, one of only two spots in the room clearly for, cleared for human habitation. Sam McEnroe sits on the other, a chair, a steel chair, naturally, drawn up close to a table that groans under the weight of recording equipment and, and video monitors. Sam is the vice president of promotions for the Borderless Wrestling Federation, which means that he spends most of his day uploading grainy, shaky cam footage to YouTube. Shaky or not, these videos receive thousands of views from the diehard Bowsers, as the BWF, call them, BWF fans call themselves, and they're one of the reasons why the BWF has been making serious waves on the independent wrestling circuit. Well, and the fact that they occasionally hold matches in a ring attached to a flatbed truck. A moving flatbed truck. Alright, three choices. Number one, it'd be great if I had a match like that. Two, I hope they don't put me in a match like that. Three, I'll wrestle in whatever match they put me in. Let's see, choice number two, I hope, I hope they don't put me in a match like that. Signing with the BWF at your age and with your experience, or more accurately, your lack thereof, is quite the coup. Sam's in charge of putting together a series of vignettes to hype your debut. He's here to make you look good. Or at least, that's what you were led to believe. You look at the shot of your ignominious defeat, then back at Sam. I was thinking of using this in your first video. Really captures your, you know, essence. Um, you say, I don't really think I don't worry, I already uploaded. We're up to five thousand views already. I hope it goes viral. He has a smile on his face and a twinkle in his eye. He's enjoying this. Doesn't he know who you are? Your all right, time to choose a name. We have a lot of choices here. We have Wolf Erickson, Maverick, Randall Roundhouse, Ender Gallo, Blight, Avatar, or Create Your Own. We're not going to do Create Our Own because I don't want to... This is all randomized. We're just going to work with this. Number three, Randall Roundhouse. Excellent. Name is Randall Roundhouse. You're Randall Roundhouse. You're a professional wrestler. And to see that smirk on his face makes you feel... Three choices again. Angry, I will not be disrespected. Amused, a bit of friendly hazing, is it? Or, or three, resigned. I'm used to people laughing at me. Angry, I will not be disrespected. This man may have sabotaged your career and he's laughing about it. You rise from your seat and something in your expression makes Sam go pale. You're no super heavyweight, but you are a professional wrestler. As for Sam, he'd be the underdog in a match with a wet paper bag. He holds up his hands. King, I was just, just kidding. He runs trembling fingers across his keyboard. See, I haven't uploaded anything yet. I wanted to make sure I got your opinion first. You glare at him. You want my opinion? Erm, um, yes? 
No more jokes. Right. Sam says, running a shaky hand through his hair. Of course. Ah, shall we get started? We've got a lot of good stuff here, Sam says, bringing up small windows of match footage in one of his larger computer monitors. I'm impressed. You've got better quality videos than wrestlers who've been working the circuit for years. You nod. Matt knows what promoters look for. Matt Kirby, or Killer Kirby, as he is better known, is a former wrestler who worked all over the world and even made it all the way to the GWA. Sure, he'd spent his years there as a jobber, never winning any matches, but he kept his eyes and ears open and learned from the best, and not just from the wrestlers. Kirby paid attention to every aspect of the business. It was this wisdom that he passed down at his school, at least to the few to whom he still opened his, its doors. Three choices. I feel lucky he took me in. I got my money's worth, I suppose. Or I still resent the hoops he made me jump through. Number one, I feel lucky he took me in. What we need to do now, Sam says, is tighten our focus. We need to highlight your strengths and cover up any weaknesses. And a big part of that will be the type of footage that we select. He leans back in his chair. Now, lucky for you, we got a wide assortment of footage. I've divided the clips into three broad categories. Sam walks you through each group. The first shows you doing a lot of power moves, suplexes, power bombs, vicious clotheslines. The second group shows off your mat skills with a lot of chain wrestling, extended sequences of you and your opponent countering each other's holds. The third group features promos you've cut before and after matches, challenging or mocking your opponents. Which group should I draw most heavily from? Obviously, this is a three-part choice of which three groups. Number three, so we're going to be the promo guy. We're going to be the promos. You consider your eloquence on their microphone to be your greatest asset. If there's one thing that all professional wrestling greats have in common, it's their charisma. Promo ability is what separates the stars from the scenery. This group, you say, pointing to a clip where you got in the face of a larger man and drove him into a blind rage. All right, Sam says, this, the vignettes will focus on your ability to talk your opponents into surrendering. If that were true, you wouldn't be much used to a wrestling federation, but it is nice to see him enthusiastic. Great, great. I'm getting excited. Sam rolls up his sleeves. You're not quite sure how that will help him type better, but whatever. We're going to be doing more than one vignette, though, so I'll be showing off other aspects of your game as well. But just to narrow things down, is there a group that you don't want me to emphasize in your vignettes? Obviously, two choices. The first group, which focuses on power moves, or the second group, which focuses on mat wrestling. Hmm. Two, power moves. All right, we're going to be a technical wrestling savant. Been here. Not going to do, not going to do no power moves. I'm not going to be the strongest guy on the roster, you say. I'm not sure if you have footage of that match when I tried to suplex Benji. Say no more, Sam says. I'll get you over by focusing on your promos and your technique. Sam chooses a few more video clips, making sure that you agree, before adding them to a folder with your name on it. Okay, this thing is starting to take shape in my head. It's going to be epic. Sam's furiously shifting files around on his computer, but then he stops and whacks his forehead. Almost forgot. Man, Gator would have killed me. He rummages under his desk for something and comes up with a slim folder. Inside is a copy of your contract with the BWF. Just fill in the blanks. I wasn't sure about your full name, so I left that part for you as well. The first blank is for your first name. <laughs> All right. We had five choices along with create your own. It is uh, Brian, Phil, Dwayne, Steve, and Colt. What, who are we going to be? We're going to be Dwayne. Oh, my God. Are we the rock? Fo focus on promos, and our first name is Dwayne? I can't do a good rock impression, so we're not going to try. The second blank is for your surname, and we have four choices. Irvine, Cole, Lee, and Blood. Dwayne Lee is our name here. Number three. Oh, one more thing. You look up from the contract to see Sam still typing away at his computer. Have you and Gator agreed on whether you'll be coming in as a face or as a heel? That'll color the tone of the vignettes. Vinny Gator is the promoter and booker of the BWF. And he was the one who personally recruited you into the promotion. After a few meetings with him, you both agreed that it would be best if you came in as a... Two choices. Face, he said people would want to root for me. Or heel, he said he, I carried myself like a natural villain. Two, we're going to be a heel. Yeah. You're not really sure whether you should take that as a compliment, but as Vinny said, if they're booing you, then they'll pay to see you. That sounds like Vinny, all right. Sam laughs. You got your work cut out for you. We got a, you got a lots of great heels at the BWF. Sam squints at the screen, then shifts to his web browser. 
wait a second, you were the 184-pound NCAA champ a year ago, right? Let's grab some footage of you. You're on your feet and at Sam's side before you're even aware of what you're doing. Hey, he shouts. You realize you have his right hand in a tight grip. That hurts. Nothing, nothing from that tournament, you say, your voice sounding strangely calm in your ears. Okay, okay, let go. You let him pull his hand away, and he massages it gingerly. Jeez, all you had to do was say so. You mumble an apology, or at least you think you do. The rest of the session goes by in a blur, and you're only vaguely aware of Sam telling you that a new vignette will be released every Monday until your debut match in three weeks. You leave Sam's apartment and somehow make your way to the bus stop. It's only a ten-minute ride to your aunt's place, where you're, where you're staying before your first BWF show. But your mind is miles away, back in your hometown of... You get four choices here. Cannon Rock, Minnesota, Life Haven, Vermont, Autumn Park, Florida, Aptor, Tennessee. Let's see. Number four, we're from Aptor, Tennessee. All right, all right, all right. Aptor, Tennessee is a, we get five choices here. We have quiet place where not much happens. Bustling city, not always safe, but never boring. Place where rich and poor mix. I lived on the right side of the tracks. Uh, place where rich and poor mingle, I lived on the wrong side of the tracks, or rural town, I lived on a farm. All right. Number two, bustling city. Not always <laughs> the bustling city of Actor, Tennessee. <laughs> you definitely heard of that before. Your perspective may have been different if you'd been on the losing side of one of the not infrequent crimes and misdemeanors, but as it is, all you really remember is that the city had everything you could ever want until you started wanting to wrestle. You'll never forget your home, but it's time to leave the nest. Now, whether or not you can fly, that's the question. Three weeks later, the, the Araneta Town Hall. Good to meet you. I'm Randall Roundhouse. Have you seen Sam McEnroe? One by one, the wrestlers shrug or shake their hands as you make your way around the locker room, exchanging handshakes with rookies and veterans both. The lone exception is a beefy Greek wrestler with getting some sort of tattoo designed on his face. I think I saw him with the sound guys. You nod your thanks and hurry out of the locker room once you made the rounds. Your set to debut tonight is the second match on the card. You just realize you don't have any entrance music yet. You just left the locker room when you feel a tap on your shoulder. You turn around to see Larry Lance, your opponent tonight. He's been in the BWF for three years, but you got the feeling he won't be around much longer. You met him earlier in the day when you were going over the match in Vinny's office, and he just seemed disinterested. Uh, listen, says Lance, I know Vinny has you going over tonight, and that's great and all, but I was wondering if we could actually have a match instead of a squash. You're taken aback. Why didn't you say anything earlier? Vinny is down on me lately. Damn if I know why. Lance put his hands together. Listen, I've got some old high school friends in the audience. I don't want them to see me just roll over. Before you can say anything else, Lance continues. I prom. This will be a minute or two over time. That's all. And if the ref gives us a signal to end, it will end it. I know how it sounds. And I'll owe you big time. It's just there's this girl I haven't seen in ages and you tune him out. You could you could let Lance get a few moves of his own in, but that may just weaken your debut. It's not like it's not like Lance has been booked as a strong opponent. And maybe more importantly, what'll Vinny think? As the promoter and booker of borderless wrestling, he's your boss, your only boss, and he may not take too kindly to improvisation, even if it could result in a more exciting match. On the other hand, wrestlers who show considerations for their peers, who make their opponents look good, are generally more popular in the locker room. Those who focus on, focus on turning matches into highlight reels are deemed to be all ring flash and deficient in the, in the, in the awareness that makes a great wrestler. That being said, fans do love to see flashy wrestlers. All right, we have three choices. Tell him truthfully, sure, it's no problem. Tell him, sure, but decide to go ahead with the squash anyway. Or refuse. You don't think I'm falling for that one, do you? Number three, we're going to refuse him. Lance's face clouds over. Already looking out for number one, huh? Fine, screw you. He leaves in a huff and you shake your head. What did he expect you to say? This is your debut match. You're not going to risk screwing it up. You finally find Sam, surrounded as usual by computers and recording equipment, talking to a pair of technicians about the choreography of the lights for one of the entrances. Sam might, hey, hey, if it isn't the man of the hour, shouldn't you be in your gear by now? You would be if you hadn't spent the last half hour looking for him. Sam, about my song. Oh, oh, 
Have you been checking the BWF forums? He's not even looking at you. Those little vignettes we've been running have drummed up a lot of interest in you, my friend. He turns to you with a smile. People are salivating at the idea of you getting into a feud with Trollmonimus. Sam nods to himself, exuding self-satisfaction. I heard a few guys talking about I can't wait to see you get your ass pummeled. You grin. Well, then I guess we're going to have a few disappointed customers after tonight's. You break off and shake your head. Wait, that's not important right now. Three choices. I need to choose an entrance song. You need to help me pick an entrance song. Or would you please listen to me? I need to choose an entrance song. Sam cracks his knuckles and tabs through a few windows on his nearest computer monitor. Don't worry, I've been thinking about that. I didn't want to make a final decision without consulting you. He opens an audio file. A blistering guitar solo rises to a crescendo in the first five seconds, then is abruptly cut off before the song kicks in again with a man singing about how the world is too small for his ambitions. This song is called Broken Shell by the Witchers. If you want something a little bit more classic in nature, you hear trumpets and a steady cascading beat without lyrics. It's rough around the edges, but it gets across a feeling of triumph. It reminds you of the type of the theme music they had during the adjective era, the term fans used to refer to the GWA in the 80s, when cartoonish characters were the rule. This one is Steel Patriot, done by a student from my alma mater. Big wrestling fan, but if you want something contemporary, Sam clicks the third file. Hey, you, hey, you say, I know this one. Boy Rising, right? Sam grins. I am such a fan of ecstasy. Yeah, I saw the standee in your room. Have I ever told you that you're kind of creepy? Shut up. This song, song still gets a lot of airplay. Starts slow, but everyone knows it. And it has a great rap chorus once you get to the ring. No one else is using it? Sam shrugs. No one in the BWF or the GWA, and that's good enough for me. So which one do you want to go with? Obviously, our three choices are Broken Shell, a metal song, Still Patriot, and Instrumental, or Boy Rising, a popular rock rap. Boy Rising, yeah! Sam nods and turns back to his computers. You're the boss. Just let me slot that in here and... Uh, uh, there you are! You turn to see Vinny Gator stomping towards you, chomping at his trademark unlit cigar. The promoter of the Borderland Borderless Wrestling Federation is a small, balding man who positively vibrates with restless energy. Usually it's a positive energy, but the expression on his face tells you that that's not the case at the moment. Hey, Vin hey Vinny. Sam says, what's without turning around? We're going with Boy Rising for Randy Roundhouse. Here's, for what for clothesline's sake are you still doing here? Uh-oh. Vinny only starts using wrestling terms as cuss substitutes when something's really gone wrong. You take a step back as Vinny jabs the stogie in your direction. What do you, you start to ask, but he cuts you off. You're on in five minutes! But you look from Vinny to Sam and back to Vinny. Three choices. I'm second on the card. Is this another joke? Or why didn't anyone tell me that before? I'm second on the card. That's what Vinny told you. He can't just change the card. Or so you thought. If you'd been in the dressing room when we expected you to be, says Vinny, someone would have told you that Otto is a no-show. By the time I'm through with him, he'll be able to get his name on a library card. Your eyes go wide. But that means Vinny stops his ranting to fix you with a laser-light glare. Why are you still standing around? You jump and then sprint back to the locker room, only belatedly realizing you didn't tell Vinny about your conversation with Lance. Well, no time for that now. You go to the locker room and get and quickly change out of your street clothes and into your wrestling gear. A file cut wrestling singlet similar to what you used to wear in your amateur wrestling days. But with Randall Roundhouse emblazoned on the back and instead of your school colors, this one features... Three choices. Black and red, blue and white, or purple and silver. Purple and silver. You lace up your boots, then head toward the curtained off exit, adrenaline starting to give you that buzz you always get before a fight. You thump your skull twice with lightly bald fists, then twice more on your chest. A little ritual from your college squad, something to sell your ner the nerves. You hear the ring announcer introduce Lance, who is already on his way to the ring. Vinny is standing by the curtain, peeping out at the crowd. He turns back to you, calm and composed now. He grins, he grins around his cigar, and you suddenly realize that after all this time, he still gets excited about this job. Are you slamming ready, kid? Before you can answer, you hear the opening line of your song. One foot in front of the other begins to play, and Vinny is giving you a thumbs up. Three choices. I take a deep breath and stride through. I give a shout, then run through. I smile, then walk through.
take a deep breath and stride through. Steady nerves, that's what you need. The last thing you want to do is mess up today of all days. The Araneta is packed, but it's a small town hall, so that means less than 100 people. Still, the Bowsers make up in enthusiasm anything they lack in numbers. They're the most boisterous fans on the independent circuit, and they love making themselves heard. When you, hear the, when you enter, the boos are immediate. They almost drown out of your ring introduction. And making his debut tonight from Aptor, Tennessee, weighing 200 pounds, Randall Roundhouse! You suck, boo! Lance will kill you. Lance will kill you. You sniff disdainfully and saunter up to the ring, arms raised as if you're generously allowing them to gaze at your body. That is, you think to yourself, this is it, you think to yourself, this is what I want. You slide into the ring, still something in something of a day, soaking in the crowd noise. You, heard to, you head to one of the ring posts and strike a pose. As you do so, your eyes lock onto a fan in the very first row. It's a very attractive young woman, maybe just a bit older than you, in a tight-fitting tank top that says, I love men in tights. She gives you a dazzling smile when she catches you looking at her. Four choices here. She's definitely my type. I smile back and give her a wink. I turn away. She's cute, but I need to focus on my match. I give her a polite smile. I'm into men, not women. And I give her a wink. I'm into men, but my character doesn't need to be. Number four, I give her a wink. I'm into men, but my character doesn't need to be. You know, I've never played this game where you're where you have like a kayfabe, where you have a kayfabe sexuality and a shoot sexuality. Curious how that comes into the story. The referee calls your attention, and you and Lance take positions across each other in the center of the ring. Lance looks at you intently, and his expression almost desperate. But at that moment, you're too awash in your own emotions to give much thought to what he's feeling. You're seconds away from your first official Borderless Wrestling Federation match. All those hours of study under Matt Kirby. All those unpaid gigs in all but empty gymnasiums. All the days of bearing with Big Benji's complaints. All for this moment. You're not sure if you want to savor the anticipation of it or if you just want the bell to... The bell rings. The match has begun. You lock up with Lance and quickly bring him into a side headlock, squeezing his head with your right arm. You shift your body weight and flip him over on your hip, your arms still pincering his head. It's a classic takedown. He, bears grunt, he grunts as his back hits the mat. Lance wriggles free of the hold and gets back on his feet, and the two of you face off again. Time to kick things up a notch. Three choices. I wonder what the crowd thinks of the match so far. I wonder what Lance thinks of the match so far. And I wonder what Vinny thinks of the match so far. I wonder what Vinny thinks of the match so far. As much as you like to entertain the crowd, Vinny is the one you need to impress if your career is going to go anywhere. Lance attempts a running clothesline, arm outstretched to ram your neck as he passes you. But you duck under his arm and hit the ropes. You repeat the sequence a second time, but this time, instead of ducking under the blow, you trap his right arm with your left and then go for the arm-trap arm neckbreaker, twisting Lance's head painfully as you both fall to the mat. The crowd pops modestly as you hit the move. You retreat to your corner and give the audience a thumbs down. The crowd reacts, not just to you, but to the fact that Lance has gotten to his feet and is ready to charge you as you're looking away. You turn around just as Lance is about to reach you, wrap your arms around his waist, and then lift him and drop him on his stomach across the top turnbuckle. He gasps for air. You drag him down into the center of the ring, still dazed. Lance recovers and knees you in the gut. You double over, but as he sends a knee to your face, you pivot around him. You circle one arm around his waist and hook his leg with your other. With a grunt, you lift Lance over your shoulder, then bring him down on your knee. You go at it for a while, Lance never getting more than a punch or a kick in before the tide turns back in your favor. Things seem to be going his way, however, when he dodges a corner splash. You hit the turnbuckle and stagger back, dazed. Lance grabs you for a suplex attempt, a move that would, see, that would see him lift you upside down above him before slamming you to the mat by falling backward. But he can only barely get your feet off the ground. Instead, when your boots hit the mat again, you grab his leg and then roll backwards. So Lance hits the mat back first. Once, then twice. A beautiful rolling fisherman suplex you call the Delgado. One, two, three. The winner of the match by pinfall, Randall Roundhouse. Lance rolls out of the ring gingerly, and you climb a turnbuckle and give the audience a thumbs down and soak in the booze. Your first professional win. 
you could get used to this. As your hand is raised in victory, you, three choices, smile, frown, or keep my face expressionless. Smile. You think that went well, all things considered? There's a lot of activity backstage as you step through the curtain, but almost everyone stops and gives you a round of applause. A few of the other wrestlers even come up to congratulate you with a handshake or a pat on the back. For the first time in a long time, you feel like you belong. It's a good feeling. Then you see Vinny standing over near the door to the locker room, talking to one of the women wrestlers. He's holding a rolled-up magazine, which he used to point at you when he sees you. Kid, get over here! Three choices. Oh, good, he's going to congratulate me. Oh, no, I screwed up. And why the hell is he calling me kid? Oh, no, I screwed up. Nice job, kid, says Vinny, rolling the cigar around in his mouth. You're going to do good business for this company. I know it. Thanks, Vinny. He sticks out his left hand and you take it in a firm grip. You peek at the magazine he's holding in his right. Is that this week's Masters? He unrolls the magazine with a smile. That it is. Trollmonomous made the MWWR 100 this week. That makes five from Borderless Wrestling. Not too shabby for a little independent, eh? Masters of Wrestling is the most influential wrestling publication in the world. While it maintains both an online and offline presence, much of their prestige comes from their weekly magazine, which features grades for matches, shoot interviews, and the Masters of Wrestling World Rankings, MWWR. The editor's take on the top wrestlers in the business. It's one of your goals to make it to the top, to the MWWR 100, all the way to the top. But right now, you're not thinking about that. You're not thinking about anything except the young man featured in, in an inset on the cover of the magazine. Can I borrow that for a second? Before Vinny can reply, you've taken the magazine, flipping through it to find a specific article. Your mind strangely blank. What's the matter? Vinny asks. You look like you've seen a ghost. Three choices. Tell Vinny I have. Lie. It's nothing. Or ignore Vinny. This is none of his business. It's nothing. You say so, says Vinny. It's clear he doesn't believe you. You couldn't care less. You find the article and stare at it. It's him, no doubt about it. J.J. Havoc, the future of the JWA. Oh, him. Then he says, came out of nowhere. Wasn't even in their developmental system. And suddenly his debut match next Wednesday is the leading story on the GWA website. Why? You know him? Apparently you'd miss the news. You'd been too busy preparing for your big debut. Or what you'd thought of as your big debut. But he just had to spoil your moment, didn't he? Just like he did two years ago. J.J. Havoc is his ring name. But you know who he really is. Jasper Bloody Delgado. Chapter 2. We're moving on to Chapter 2, The Barbershop Window. After Tennessee, one year ago. Come on, come on. You watch the poor waiter, sweat dripping down his face, a wild look in his eyes as he fiddled with the controls of the flat screen. You didn't think his training prepared him for this kind of stress. It was probably quite difficult to fix a television with a table of, while well, a table full of increasingly agitated college wrestlers was looking on. You look back at your teammates. Why don't you guys get some air? I'll call you when we get a signal. Captain, the others muddled, taking the hint, all except for the six-foot-three, 240-pound behemoth who was tapping his Frank-Furter-sized fingers impatiently on the table. You too, Grizz. He didn't budge. It's going to start any minute now. Uh-oh, you know that look. Grizz, his fist hit the table with the sound of a semi-truck ramming a, a heifer. heifer. We're going to miss it! His voice echoed from the end of the boom-boom to the end to end of the boom boom grill and drew a lot of apprehensive glances your way. You could see one of the waitresses whispering urgently to the manager. You gave everyone a strained smile, then walked up to Grizz and casually placed an arm around his shoulders. Grizz, we've been friends for how long now? Ten years! Ever since you great great. You know you're my guy, right? You can trust me, yeah? Of course, you don't even need a great. Now trust me when I say that if we get kicked out of another restaurant, if we miss another GWA pay-per-view, you brought your arm around his neck in a tight grip. Three choices. I will personally body slam your fat Samoan ass onto an open grill. I'll tell your aunt that you never play as her in Legends of GWA, and I'm flushing your solitary action figure down the toilet. I will personally body slam your fat Samoan ass onto an open grill. Again with the weight jokes. 
Grizz grumbled, but he subsided readily enough. You watch Grizz join the rest of the team outside the restaurant. Grizz was a great guy, as gentle at heart as he was intimidating in body. But all of you were on edge. But with the NCAA Division I College Wrestling Championships in three days, and you were hoping to let off some steam by watching the last one standing on pay-per-view. Most of you on the, on the Brooks College Wrestling team were big Global Wrestling Alliance fans, but Grizz took it to another level. That wasn't really much of a surprise, given that he came from the famed Atua Wrestling family. You knew that, like you, Grizz had his sights set on the GWA, but despite the fact that he certainly had the body for it, well, everyone knows the cliche of the quiet, gentle types that go berserk when they get into a fight, right? Totally not the case for Grizz. If anything, he got more timid. You were wondering if you could find some way to set off Grizz's missed pay-per-view rage right before his match in the finals when you felt a tap on your shoulder and turned just in time to see a fist flying at your face. You barely had time to do more than blink, but the fist stopped the hair short of your nose. <laughs> too easy, said a familiar voice. Where's your pride as the wrestling team captain? The fist is withdrawn, and you find yourself looking at an old friend. Your best friend. JJ! Jasper J. Delgado was NCAA Division I champion at 197 pounds for three years running now. For each of those three years, he had been the captain of the Brooks College wrestling team. It would be a lie to say that he taught you all you know about wrestling, but Jasper was the one who took your game to the next level. With his help, you finally won the 184-pound championship last year, after two years of falling short in the finals. JJ was someone you greatly admired. Three choices. More than admired, in fact, I've had a crush on him forever. I wasn't attracted to him, but that didn't lessen the admiration, and I never gave much thought to whether our friendship could ever become anything more. I wasn't attracted to him, but that didn't lessen the admiration. Can't say I'm not a little disappointed in that. It gave you a lot of confidence going into your matches that JJ was in your corner, so to speak. But things were going to be different this year. After a gang, after an incident at the, at the school involving a gang of known bully, bullies being turned into a gang of whiny hospital patients, Jasper had to move to another college. Because he still wanted to wrestle, he bit the bullet and joined St. Blonde's University, Brooks' greatest rival. You succeed him as team captain, and Jasper became the new star of the Braun Boys. And now he was competing at 184 pounds. You were the top two seeds this year, so chances were that, come the finals, you'd be facing your best friend. Three choices. I never thought this was how my senior year would go. I never really thought about it until now. I suppose it was inevitable in a way. I never thought this was how my senior year would go. You dreamed of reaching the finals, but never that you have to go up against JJ. You shake yourself. It was not the time to get lost in your thoughts. It had been almost a year since you last saw JJ, and while you kept in touch online, it was great to see him in person. You took his hand in a firm grip. JJ was grinning from ear to ear, and you imagined, and you imagined that you were as well. How'd you know we'd be here? JJ shook his head. Come on, I've only been gone a year. Since you told me about Ringo's closing, I knew that Boom Boom would be the only place near school showing GWA pay-per-views live. You heard a crackle followed by coughing sounds. You and JJ turned to see the waiter looking out in dismay at the smoking flat screen. Or at least they used to. JJ scratched his head. Why don't we bring the team over to my old place? The tenant just moved out. We can order the pay-per-view there. My treat. Three choices. Thanks, but I don't think that's a good idea. We're opponents now. Great, it'll be just like old times. Or sure, why not? I don't really care where I watch the pay-per-view. Sure, why not? JJ slapped you on the back. Such enthusiasm, he drawled. You waved the others over to tell them the news. JJ's house was furnished differently. The last tenant must have had a thing for Greywood. But one thing that remained the same was the enormous television set in the living room. The place pl brought back fond memories, playing games, watching movies, mostly wrestling, whether it be GWA shows or recordings of your opponents. By the time you got last one standing on the screen, Grizz was beside himself with excitement. You'd missed half the first match, but Grizz's complaints soon died down as he watched a battle for the GWA Tag Team Championship unfold. What are you doing, El Ala? Grash was Grizz was gnashing his teeth. You loose in, I'm never watching GWA again! Whatever, Grizz, you and JJ said in unison. The two of you shared a smile. Does he still threaten to quit pro wrestling four times a show? Asked JJ. 
Three choices. Oh, yes. Only if the Atuas aren't on and I stop counting. Only if the Atuas aren't on. Grizz's relations were, of course, the exception to his love-hate relationship with pro wrestling. Grizz was the one who first introduced you and JJ to the GWA. Maybe it'd be more accurate to say reintroduced in your case. The Global Wrestling Alliance is the most prestigious and lucrative wrestling federation in the world. One of the splinter groups that formed after the collapse of Haskell Mushnick's championship wrestling universe in the late 80s, it survived competition with the likes of the League of Heavyweights and a brutal corporate civil war to become the uncontested leader in the field, in the field of professional wrestling. You've been, an avid fan in your, you've been an avid fan in your youth, back when what was referred to as the adjective era, with stars such as Flash and Frank Garfield, Sweet Taffy Torres, and Brutal Bukowski. Your interest waned when you entered high school. And when Grizz forced you to watch an episode of Wednesday Night Wrestling, the GWA's flagship show, you were shocked by how radically different the production was. All of it embodied by one man. And now, rumbled the bass voice of Nick Varnish, the great narrator of the GWA, it's time for tonight's main event! Even just watching on television, you and your friends could feel the electricity in the air. Entering the ring first, from New York City! You all leaned in closer to the screen as the crowd roared, equally divided between adulation and derision. Drop the champ! Drop the champ! Each sound like a drown beat. Champ forever! Champ forever! Each song, song sing song chant like a pulse racing. You're undisputed! Global Wrestling Champion, Solitary! <laughs> Sorry, folks, gotta think. Three choices. I stand up and cheer. I boo loudly, watch silently. Watch silently. All right. Solitary, the eternal champion. The year after Solitary joined the GWA was the year of the most radical shift in the history of the Alliance. To rekindle dwindling interest in professional wrestling, Cameron Dobbs, GWA CEO, announced that they would start incorporating shoot fights, unscripted matches in their cards. Which matches were works? were worked, scripted, and which were actual fights became the most closely guarded secret in the industry. But while the initial announcement was met with a great deal of skepticism, it soon became apparent even to casual viewers that some of the matches being shown on live television were not being choreographed beforehand. While the GWA brass fought off legal and moral challenges, audience interest soon, sp interest soon spiked, and Wednesday Night Wrestling reached new ratings heights. Then Dobbs took it a step further and announced that from Ring of Valhalla X onward, the GWA World Championship would only change hands in a fight. At, at Ring of Valhalla X, GWA reigning champion Paul Prototype was paired with an unheralded cruiserweight called Hodge Stevens, ring name Solitary. The move was met with much criticism. What did it matter if a fight is unscripted if it's so clearly a mismatch? And then... Solitary won. Solitary. Solitary. Fight after fight, year after year, Solitary kept winning. And he didn't stop bucking expectations inside the ring. He came out as gay, lambasted the Dobbs family, agitated for the unionization of wrestlers. Solitary. Solitary. Dobbs couldn't fire him, not without tanking ratings and tarnishing their entire shoot hybrid experiment. So instead, the GWA brass tried to stack the deck against him at every title defense. Solitary agreed to every proposed handicap in exchange for changes to his contract whenever he won. And since he would just, and he just would not lose, he soon had more control over his matches, appearances, and merchandise than any professional wrestler had ever had. This pay-per-view, Solitary was facing a three-man gauntlet, his most daunting challenge yet. But if he won, from then on, he would only have to defend his title once a year at Ring of Valhalla. Solitary! Solitary! 
JJ turn to you. The champ is going down this time, don't you think? Three choices. No way. They call him the eternal champion for a reason. Sure, it's obviously still rigged. And yes, no way he can beat three men in a row. Yes, no way he can beat three men in a row. J.J. Smirk. That's what you said last year, remember? He beat Cruiser and Destroyer at the same time. No, he pinned Cruiser after Destroyer accidentally drop-kicked his partner. He waved off the details. Anyway, it's just a question of endurance this time. He can't do it. And if he pulls it off again, will you be happy? Four choices. Sure, Solitary is an inspiration for me. That's just the way it is. If he wins, he deserves to be champion. Nope, he's obnoxious as hell. Or no, it's starting to get bored. Nope, he's obnoxious as hell. But if he's the best, doesn't he deserve to be champion? JJ asked. He's only the best until someone better comes along. You replied, you turn to JJ. And I'll keep rooting for anyone with a chance to shut his big mouth. You were interrupted then by a roar from the crowd. You and your friends watch, stunned, as Solitary's first opponent tapped out, caught in Solitary's three of clubs submission. The bell rang. Barely two minutes had gone by in the match. Solitary. Solitary. The second man wasted no time getting to the ring. In hindsight, maybe he should have. He slid beneath the bottom rope, got up to one knee, and was promptly, got a, was promptly caught by a kick to the back of the skull. The champ went for the pin. One. Two. No way. Three. The bell rang. The crowd erupted. Solitary. Solitary. Three choices. Unreal. Okay, something's fishy here. Stay silent. What is there to say? Stay silent. What was there to say? The final man strode purposefully to the ring, his face purple with rage. Paul Prototype had started out in the GWA as the ultimate good guy. But while there was still the facade he presented to the public, it was clear he was obsessed with avenging his numerous losses to Solitary. Unlike the other two opponents, Prototype put up a hell of a fight. In the end, however, after a grueling 20 minutes, Solitary hit Prototype with the Ace of Spades, and that was that. Your winner, and still your undisputed global wrestling champion, Solitary. The crowd went wild. You stared at the triumphant figure of Solitary, alone at the top once more, brandishing the golden green of the GWA championship. And you promised, then and there... Three choices. Someday I'll compete in that ring. Someday that's going to be me. And someday I'll have my Valhalla victory. Someday that's going to be me. The team hung out in JJ's house until well past midnight. But by two in the morning, only you and Grizz remained. You were about to say goodbye as well. You and Grizz had agreed to go on a morning radio show to promote the Division One finals. And you didn't want Grizz snoring into a live mic again. But then JJ stood up. J.J. grinned. Now that the babies are gone, he left the room for a moment and returned shortly with a case of beer. Grizz whooped and fell upon the beers like a shark diving through chum. You two should stay the night, said J.J. He opened two cans and offered one to you. We still got a lot of catching up to do. You looked at the beer, then at Grizz. You were hitching a ride home with him, and while he'd driven the car to J.J.'s house, Belch! It was obvious he wouldn't be in any condition to drive home. Three choices. I've never turned down a drink before. Why start now? Why not? I can hold my liquor, unlike Grizz, and or refuse. Better safe than sorry. Besides, I don't need to be drunk to hang out. Why not? I can hold my liquor. You took the can with a nod of thanks. Jim, JJ grinned at you. Shall we have a toast then? Toast! Grizz shouted, then promptly fell over. You and JJ shook your heads, then raised your beers. To old friends, he said, to new rivals, answered J.J., grinning. Clink. The hours flew by quickly as the three of you talked. J.J. talked about what it was really like working under The Beast, the legendary wrestling coach of St. Braun's. He gave him an update on the latest not-quite-on-point motivational posters that Coach Kerchow posts in your lockers. Yours had the saying, The happiest life is to be without thought by noted Greek athlete, by noted Greek athlete Sophocles. J.J. voiced admiration for a freshman prospect you had for next year. You fended off J.J. and Grizz's innuendos about the sophomore who confessed her love to you last month. 
swapping stories seemed to be close the distance between you. And before long, it felt as if JJ had never transferred out. You finally left JJ's house at almost five in the morning. You were cutting things a bit close for your radio interview and it had been so long since you, JJ, and Grizz had been together that you lost track of time. Grizz was laid out on the back seat, snoring up a storm. JJ rode shotgun. You're going to need help getting Grizz into the station if he's still out for the count, JJ had said. You drove down the city's main roads, keeping just a hair under the speed limit. The drizzle that had begun to fall when you left JJ's house had turned into a genuine downpour, and you peered anxiously at, out at the pools of light that your headlights sent, that your headlights sent into the pre-dawn gloom. Relax, said JJ, leaning back into his seat, looking pleasantly buzzed. You worry too much. That's always been your problem. Three choices. Can't help it. I hate being late. Mere mortals like me tend to dread failure, JJ. Maybe I'll try deep breath. Mere mortals like me tend to dread failure, JJ. Hey, maybe they'll let us cut promos on each other. JJ grinned, wagging a finger at an imaginary audience as he spoke in a deep voice. Let me tell you something, neighbor. Lee here may think he's all that, but I taught him everything he knows. And let me tell you something, neighbor. He wasn't no quick study. In spite of yourself, you laughed. For a non-GWA fan, JJ sure did a good impression of Herculean Harvey Harrison. Neighbor, when Lee here comes to my dojo, he thought a near fall was when you almost tripped but didn't. Dojo? What the heck? Maybe it was just a sleepless night, but you found the routine even more hilarious than usual. So if Lee makes it to the finals against me on Saturday, let me tell you, neighbor, he's gonna whoop your sorry MMA ass, you said, just as this is a something darted across the highway right into the path of your car. You cursed and swore violently to the right. You tried to maintain control, but the momentum of your turn caused you to lose your grip on the wheel, and the car went into a tailspin that threw the three of you out like popcorn in a microwave. And then suddenly there was a sickening crunch, and time seemed to dissolve into a chasm of darkness. When you came to, Grizz had you on his shoulders. He laid you down gently on the grass. Just behind Grizz, you could see what remained of the car crumbled against a tree. Grizz leaned over you, concern on his face. Are you okay? You gave yourself a once-over, but aside from a few aches and bumps, nothing seemed to be bleeding or broken. I'm okay. Your voice was tremulous, like you couldn't believe it yourself. I'm okay. You stopped. What about you heard a groan from beside you? That was the first time you realized that, that J.J. was lying not three feet away, clutching his right leg. J.J.! You crawled to his side and got up to one knee. Four choices. Are you okay? It wasn't my fault. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm too panicked to speak. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. Your best friend grimaced in pain, screaming through clenched teeth. Then his eyes focused on you and his expression shifted to one of rage. What the hell? What the hell? There was... You said there... It must have been a dog or something. You should have ran over! Three choices. You can't really mean that. It just happened so suddenly, you heartless piece of... It just happened so suddenly. Maybe if you'd had time to think, you would have... But there had been no time, and no way you could have known things would end up this way. JJ hissed and shook his head violently. He was beginning to hyperventilate. We gotta call an ambulance, Grizz whispered. No. No way. JJ pushed himself up on his el with his elbows. Do you know how hard I had to work to get on the St. Bronze team? This is the excuse they need to bench me. JJ sat up and tried to get his legs under him. I can still compete. You looked at JJ's mangled leg and clenched your fists. No. No, you can't. The hell I... Oh! JJ would have collapsed completely had Grizz not caught him. You took your phone. You, you make that call, Dwayne? JJ hissed through gritted teeth. You make that call, and we're through. I'm sorry, he replied, and dialed 911. The next few days went by in a haze. Luckily for you, you were still under the legal alcohol limit, so there were no charges once you explained what happened. Of course, you and Grizz had been re were both reamed out by your respective parents and your coach. But none of that could compare to the image of JJ's accusing glare as they rolled him into the ambulance. However, while you were preoccupied off the mat, your focus returned 
to you during your matches. In fact, you've never been so driven, so composed. You executed every move, every tactic with brutal efficiency. With JJ out of contention, you breeze through the 184-pound division of the tournament without breaking a sweat. Maybe you just become that much better in the past year. Maybe the competition had let themselves go. There was no real way to know for sure. All that you did know was that when they announced you as the winner, three choices. I felt angry. I felt guilty. I felt nothing. I felt angry. This was not the victory you wanted. You felt like something had been taken from you. Like something good had been reduced to ashes. You never heard from JJ again after all was said and done. It, was, it wasn't just that you didn't communicate. He just seemed to drop off the map. He closed his social media accounts, withdrew from his other friends and family. No one had seen hide or hair of J.J. Delgado for two years until he landed on the cover of Masters of Wrestling. Okay, guys, um, it is about the 56-minute mark for me here. I did want to keep this under an hour, and it seems to be took me about a half hour per chapter, so we're going to kind of stop here. Um... I had a lot of fun doing this. Um, I am not great at keeping up consistent voices. Hopefully the plot was easy enough to follow for everybody involved, uh, everybody listening. Um, will I do this again? I will probably revisit this um, when we, uh, when, if, when and if uh, David next it needs to be busy. I think this is a good little thing to do as kind of a side project. Keep, keep the content rolling in. Even on weeks we can't necessarily get into film. Um, as I said last week, our new episode, our next episode will be um, Lucha Underground. Or of Return to Lucha, episode fourteen will be Lucha Underground. Um, yeah, um, you know this is kind of an interesting kind of tale. We're 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 doing some thing. We're kind of setting up. I, I I'm sad it's 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 not quite as exciting, but you know we have to set up a lot of the characters and a lot of the. This is this was a back a very backstory savvy set up first couple of chapters, but now we're gonna chapter three is when you start uh kind of becoming an indie re- as a real indie wrestler brother, and don't worry we will we will get to the GWA and I do want to talk about is that I do appreciate some of the some of the gags for um fake wrestling companies that are very obviously other wrestling companies like uh, the GWA is clearly the WWE uh, Paul prototype. I always imagined is triple H um, Hercules, Hank Han- Harrison or whatever. That's Hulk. That's clearly Hulk Hogan and it's calling people neighbor instead of brother. Uh, the Atuas are the, uh, the uh, Anawa is the Anawai wrestling Samoan wrestling family. Um, those are the only, uh, explicit, you know, references so far. Uh, Solitary isn't based on anybody that I'm aware of. Cameron Hobbs is uh, presumably a Vince McMahon type. Uh, yeah, the adjective era as, uh, it's funny enough that's based on, it's not based off the same era at the added, that's obviously a joke on the attitude era of the late nineties, but the adjective era is talking about the golden age of, of wrestling in the eighties. So that's kind of funny. I wonder why it's called the adjective era. That's what I don't. They never explain that because it's not important. But it's it's really funny to kind of be like, what the fuck is the adjective era mean? Um, we've kind of created this character that's kind of cocky and, and kind of and has a bit of a short temper, a lot of anger so far as it turns out. And I imagine in ring is very much it, it's a, kind of what it seems. It feels like one of those like smarmy heels that like knows that they're better as opposed to uh yeah no, it seems like one of those smarmy heels that really knows that they're the they're they're the best and they can out wrestle you you know not as opposed to someone who is uh you know more more grimy and and and, and monstrous if you will but enough enough about me kind of just making random observations about you know there's not a lot of i i can i could delve deeper into the kind of the plot stuff but there's not a whole lot of great plot here. Most of it is, is setting up your, your backstory and in the bustling city of after Tennessee. That's very funny to me. Um, that whole first chapter is literally just kind of setting up like what kind of wrestler you are. And then the, the second one is just kind of like the obligatory backstory and your tragic backstory of, of that time where 
you got you were don't no don't drunk don't, no no do not drink drink and drive kids that that's the moral of this episode uh well then that's that's going to be about the hour mark exactly so we're going to bounce it up here uh, i will see you i will see you guys next time and hopefully david will be here next time as well